Well, I love, I love seeing community. I love seeing people chat. I love people, like you can keep talking over me if you want. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but uh, here's what I'd like to do. Remain standing, actually. I, what we're going to do is um, something that uh, we don't typically do and we're going to do today. We're actually going to stand as we receive God's word. So if I could just um, get everyone to stand up. I'm going to read our text over us today as God's word over us today. And this comes from Matthew 6. Verses 5 to 13, this is what it says, and this is Jesus speaking. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward that they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. And this is what Jesus says. He says, pray like this. And I would love for us to recite the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Thank you for joining me in the Lord's Prayer. We're going to get a little bit familiar with it today, and uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, before I talk about that, um, I just want to kind of give us a little bit of a recap about what's been going on from the last five weeks. Um, in mid-September, uh, we went into a series, if you want to call it that. Um, actually, you can't call it anything. We didn't even give it a title. It was a line and a dot. And so we kind of called it untitled just because people ask us what we're doing. And uh, what it was is we did five weeks where Pastor Mark kind of laid out a vision for us as a church this year. Um, but even just to go beyond kind of what has been on the hearts of your staff and your leadership, um, I think the last five weeks we've seen some incredible kind of transparency and vulnerability from your pastor. And uh, I think it would be, if, you, if you've been here within the last five weeks, I, I really do think um, it would be wise for us uh, just to, to kind of give some props and give some attention to some of those sermons uh, in the past five weeks because uh, I, I just think, I feel like it's because it was straight from the vision of what God has been uh, teaching us as a staff and Mark as our leader, um, there's been some really heavy, hard, tough, transparent stuff that we've been talking about. So I'm just wondering if we can show him some of our appreciation just for being honest and brutally, you know, transparent with us as a church. It's been so, so good. Um, the vision series is not over. It starts today. Like when we talk about being a healthy church, when we talk about being a church that requires rest, when we talk about uh, a church that needs to have community within itself, when we talk about uh, the lost, when we talk about following the Spirit, those aren't things that, those, are just, those aren't just themes that we talk about one week. That's from this point forward. 
And uh, it starts today. And if, if you're new, you're visiting, I highly encourage you to kind of go back into that untitled series and kind of uh, hear some of the vision that Pastor Mark laid out on our church. Uh, it's some really, really great stuff. Um, just some great preaching from our pastor and our leader. And I hope that you are ready to jump into that vision with us as a church. Uh, let's talk about last week specifically. Uh, last week was a little bit different. Uh, last week was, uh, I think, the best kind of challenge that you can give a church. And uh, last week was kind of the last week of this vision series where we talked about the Spirit. We talked about following the Spirit. And uh, we thought, well, let's put that into practice. Let's not write a sermon. Let's not make a set list. Let's not have an order of service and just kind of see what the Spirit did. And uh, we experienced that last week, amen, if you were here. Um, and uh, every service looked different. It sounded different. Mark preached really a, a different sermon for each uh, service, and it was incredible. Uh, and so what I want to do is I want to continue in that same spirit this week as we talk about the Spirit. Now, the, the, one of the cool things about Holy Spirit, Pastor Vicky, can you pass me my bottle of water there if you don't mind? Um, one of the things that I want for us to accomplish today is to understand how Holy Spirit speaks to us. And uh, if you are a reader of God's Word, you'll understand that sometimes the Spirit speaks to us in different ways. For example, I can, I can preach a sermon from a certain text, and Holy Spirit can teach me something about that text that might speak to you differently. Or uh, if, if I am doing my kind of devotions and I read a passage of Scripture, and that can uh, speak to my context in that very moment, I can come back to that sermon the next day or a month later or a year later even, and that same piece of text, piece of Scripture, can say something different to my life. And so that's what we're going to be doing throughout this series. We're in this new series called Verbatim. Uh, verbatim is a fancy word that means word for word. It means to say something as you heard it. And so what we're going to be doing for the next six weeks is we're actually going to be in the same text for six weeks. But each week, you're going to have a different voice preach that text to you. So you're going to have six different sermons from the same scripture for the next few weeks. And I, it, I think it's just going to show us the kind of thing that Holy Spirit can do in us as it reveals Scripture to each one of us. It's going to speak to each one of us a little bit differently. It's going to speak to you differently each and every week. And uh, the, the, the portion of Scripture is what I just read to you. It's Jesus teaching during the Sermon on the Mount, and he teaches his disciples how to pray. And uh, right before he teaches us the Lord's Prayer, which most of us are familiar with, he says, pray like this, which is where we get this verbatim idea. He's like, he's literally saying, I want you to pray like this, word for word. And so many of us grew up in churches reciting the Lord's Prayer, and some of us can do it with our eyes closed because we just kind of know it. And so that's where we're going to be for the next six weeks. We're going to have six different voices speak on the same prayer each week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Anybody familiar with Gaga Ball? Right? There's a few of us that are familiar with Gaga Ball. Uh, Gaga Ball is this kind of new-ish game where you basically stick 20 kids in an octagon and they play dodgeball. Right? Kind of. It's like every man for himself. They, they just, they kind of, 
what you do is you get in this octagon and you put 20 or so kids in there. And uh, they have this ball and they're trying to hit other people's either leg or feet. Uh, and if you get hit, then you have to leave the octagon and it's kind of last man standing. So uh, my kids go to Royal Road and uh, they put a gaga ball pit uh, in the back of the school this year. And it's been like the, the craze of, uh, of school this year. And so during the Thanksgiving weekend, when uh, Catherine and I's family were all down from Moncton, um, my boys wanted us all to go check out the gaga ball pit, which means that they wanted us to play gaga ball with them. And so we did that. So we all kind of went up, and we kind of saw this new pit, and uh, they kind of showed us the rules. And, uh, and we played a few rounds, like for like an hour, for two days in a row. On the third day, I want to say I rose again, but I did not. On the third day, my wife had to roll me out of bed because my bones and my joints were so stiff. Now, I'm not super out of shape, but there are definitely some muscles within my body that I just don't necessarily work out a lot, that don't get as much attention or exercise as maybe they should. And so I literally had to get my wife to roll me out of bed on that third morning just because I was so stiff and so sore from playing this really simple game. Of course, I don't take it easy on my kids when I play. You, you teach them how to lose and lose well, right, as a dad. Amen. I heard some amens. I love it. I love it. Uh, but here's the thing. Sometimes when certain muscles don't get the exercise or the attention that they need, things get a little stiff. Things get a little stagnant. We get a little bit out of shape. And it's the same way with our spiritual lives. I'm sure that we've all kind of heard this kind of metaphor used before. But I want to be completely transparent with you uh, this, th th this weekend. I want you to all know that one of those kind of spiritual disciplines, so those spiritual muscles that I may, maybe I don't work as well as I should, some of those spiritual muscles that don't get exercised as much as they should is my personal prayer life. And that's just me being honest with you. Because I think it's good for a preacher to be honest, right? Right? We all want honest preachers. The personal prayer. Now, I have zero problem getting up in front of all of you and leading worship. I have no problem with coming up here and preaching. I have no problem with even praying in public or laying a hand on a friend and praying for them. But I'm talking about like my own personal prayer life. It is sometimes one of those disciplines that I just, I find kind of hard. Like sometimes if I'm, uh, like I'm, I have this process during the week where I get into the office about 8.30 and until 9 o'clock, no one comes in my office and it's, it's quiet and I have my personal devotion time. So now when it comes to my prayer time at the end of that, like I'll find myself closing my eyes in the silence and I'll be praying for my kids and all of a sudden I start thinking about what thing I have to drive them to later, right? This is going to speak to somebody. Or like I'm praying for my wife and all of a sudden I just like, I start daydreaming about my wife, right? Like... It's just like, wait a second. Or I'm praying for my ministry or my church, and all of a sudden I start thinking about all the emails that I need to send out to this person and that person. Like, anybody with me? Right? Do you, does anyone like pray themselves to sleep some nights? Right? Like you lay down and you're like, dear Jesus. And then you wake up the next morning, right? Like for me, that, that's hard. And so I just want to talk about some practices that I've had to do in my own life to 
work some of those spiritual muscles that aren't getting the exercise I need. Uh, first thing is this. I don't do well in, si- in silence. Like sitting in silence and closing my eyes in prayer is just, that's just not something that works for me. And so what I've done is for the last few months, I've begun to write down my prayers. Because when you're writing something down, you're concentrating on what you're doing. And so instead of in my head with my eyes closed, begin to pray and kind of drift off, what I've been doing is I have uh, this uh, journal that's filled and filled with all these prayers. And that has been very cathartic for me. It's been so beneficial for me to write down the prayers. So that's the first thing that I've done. The second thing is, my, I remember years and years ago, uh, is my father-in-law gave me this book. And it was an autobiography of a guy named Keith Green, who was a great Christian songwriter in the 70s. Um, and this book was called Make My Life a Prayer. I never read it. Like, I didn't, I didn't read it. Um, but I loved the title, and it, I was, it, was, it was something I always thought about. Was, what does it mean to make my life a prayer? And so for the last few years, what I've been trying to do is make every situation in my life a prayer. It, it, like if my personal prayer life is not where it should be, maybe I can just make my life a prayer. Every act, every situation, every relationship I have can be a prayer time. So when I drop my kids off and I see them walking up towards the school, I can pray for them. Right there, and it doesn't need to be long. Or, or if, you know, I'm praying for uh, my wife, right? It, she could be doing the dishes or, or making uh, supper or, uh, you know, we could be doing these things together. I'm not saying that women have those roles. Don't think of that. But what I'm saying is that when she's doing these things, when she's serving her family, I can pray for her and I can be thankful for her and, and how she serves her family. Or if you, if you're in your work cubicle, right? Like, you know, you can be doing your work and also thanking God for how he provides for you through your job or the fact that you have a job or the people that surround you in your job. And it's the same way in school. You could be listening to a professor or your teacher or whatever, and you could be thanking God for the opportunity that you have for education or praying for the people around you. It doesn't need to look a certain way or sound a certain way, but you can make your life a prayer in the sense that you are... You are just making every act, every situation, every experience a prayer. Uh, there's a theologian named Richard Rohr who, say, who, who says this about prayer. He says, prayer is sitting in the silence until it silences us. It's choosing gratitude until we are grateful and praising God until we ourselves are an act of praise. Love that. Because Prayer shouldn't be hard. Like, it, it shouldn't be hard. And for some of us, that's one of those spiritual disciplines that we're really good at. Like, we have prayer warriors here, right? That's kind of the term that we've got thrown around before. People who, who are so good at interceding in prayer or praying for others or praying for a certain situation. They just get the, the ebb and the flow of prayer. It's one of those muscles that get lots of exercise. But then there's some of us who maybe we, we don't worship well. Right? Maybe we're not generous. Maybe those are the kinds of things, the muscles that we're not flexing in our lives. But prayer shouldn't be hard. And that's why Jesus teaches us on prayer, and especially the Lord's Prayer. And that's where it's going to come in this week. So let's talk about the Lord's Prayer for a moment. Um, and so what we're going to do is, uh, this isn't going to be a kind of a typical preaching sermon for me. I'm actually going to teach a little bit on the Lord's Prayer, and then we're actually going to practice it. And so I'm going to take less time talking to you about it 
and more time us doing that together. And I'm going to lead us that in a few moments. But let's talk about the Lord's Prayer for a moment. Lord's Prayer, which is found in Matthew 6 uh, and also in the book of Luke, um, is, is one of Jesus' teachings on the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is basically like the longest discourse that Christ had. And uh, it's about three chapters long from uh, Matthew 5 to 7. And he basically runs through the spiritual disciplines of being a follower of Christ. And so he's got hundreds and hundreds of people listening to him on this mountainside. And he's speaking to farmers, and he's speaking uh, to fishermen, and these people who maybe aren't necessarily well-educated. And so what he does is he tells them about the Lord's Prayer, and he simplifies it for them. Another thing that we need to know about the Lord's Prayer is that it's poetry, which sounds funny. Um, a few months back, I think I was uh, teaching on the Genesis story, like the creation story, which um, is actually a long poem. And Hebrew poetry doesn't rhyme in words. Like how when we think of, you know, roses are red, violets are blue, like when we think of poetry, we think of rhyming words. Hebrew poetry rhymes in themes or repeated phrases. And so that's actually what you'll see a little bit as we go through the Lord's Prayer, these, these beautiful poetic rhyming themes and rhyming phrases that occur throughout. Uh, the next is that all of time is encapsulated in the Lord's Prayer. He talks about the past when he says, forgive us. He talks about the present where he says, give us our daily bread. And he talks about the future where he says, deliver us from evil. So all of time is really found in all 57 of these words, of these original Greek words. And so it's poetry. It talks about time. But here's the thing I want us to hone in today, is that it's very formulaic. Now, don't get me wrong when I say that. I'm not saying that there's a specific way to pray, because I don't believe there is. I believe that there's a wrong way to pray, and for the first uh, few verses of the scripture that we read earlier, Jesus talks about how not to pray. Don't be like the Pharisees, don't be like the Gentiles, who just babble on and on and on. But there's actually a very formulaic, beautiful kind of poetry in the Lord's Prayer, and that's for us, like for maybe for those of you who, like me, like pray yourself to sleep, or you have trouble like not nodding off and thinking about something else when you pray, the Lord's Prayer is actually very formulaic for us. And he gives his listeners at this Galilean mountainside, he gives them this poetic formulaic prayer for all of the ages that we're still saying today. And so if you've got your Bible... If you need to swipe right and open an app up or whatever the case may be, um, we're going to be in Matthew 6, Matthew 6, and we're going to be reading 9 to 13, verses 9 to 13, and we're going to be going through this kind of formula to teach us maybe how to pray better, right, and to make, make sure our priorities in prayer are where they need to be. So this is Matthew 6. And the first part of this uh, little breakdown, this little formula is this, is prayers of praise. The Lord's Prayer starts with prayers of praise, where it says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so what I love about this is that it talks about both the relationship and the reverence 
of God. Both the relationship and the reverence. The first thing that we call God is Father. And all of us have different kinds of relationships with our Father. But symbolically, calling God Father is one of the closest relationships that we can have. And it's personal, right? A relationship with a Father is personal. And it's quickly followed up with who art in heaven. So not only is God close, not only is God personal, but he's also far and he's also big and he's also wide and he's also all-encompassing. So this first part gives God praise and talks about our relationship, but also the reverence that we have for God. It says, hallowed be thy name. So this is one of those repeating themes. It talks about God's name as Abba, Father. And it says, hallowed be thy name, or holy is that name. That name is sanctified. That's what it means. And so not only is he as close as our Father, but as big as all creator God, but the name that we give him is holy, and he wants us to be a part of that. So that's the first thing. It starts with these prayers of praise. Second part of the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for work in the world, or like prayer for kingdom work, where it says this in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I love that it has like this kingdom language. And to his listeners in the Sermon on the Mount, this was an upside-down kind of thought. Because all throughout the, the Old Testament, you were trying to keep people away from God's presence. Like, if you got into God's presence, you would be dead. Whereas here it's talking about the kingdom of God coming to us, as opposed to us being apt to stay away from it. And so it's this backwards thinking. I remember when I was a kid, and I would be driving in the car with my parents, I used to think that the moon followed us. Like, it's, you kind of look out the window, and there's the moon, and then you drive farther, and it's like, that moon is still behind us. And it was years later that I had to learn that it wasn't the moon that was following us, it was just us driving around. That was in, like, university, but... Um, but, like, the, I used to think that my, my world was thrown upside down when I found out that the moon was not following us. And when Jesus talks about this prayer of the work in the world, like this kingdom work. He wants us to join in the prayers of work throughout the kingdom. He's completely flipping things upside down. Their, their worldview is changing by these, uh, by these words. He's talking about us being a part of salvation and transformation. We don't in and of ourselves do that work, but God uses us through the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus to help people in that, that process. That's what that kingdom comes, your will be done. Like, use us to be part of your kingdom work. I just love that. That kingdom mentality meant bringing us into God's presence. So the second part is prayer for kingdom work. The second part of this formula is uh, prayer for our own needs. And I love how the one that has to do with us is the shortest. Give us this day our daily bread. Right? At this point, there's this kind of these beautiful lines about um, 
the bigness of God and the, the greatness of the work. And it's like, and we want carbs, right? Like, give us, give us bread. Um, but what, and yes, this, this is about bread, okay? That line is about food. Like, God provides us with food. Like, he doesn't drop things on our doorstep, but he provides us with jobs, and a way to get to the grocery store, money to pay for that. Like, God provides for us. He provides food for us to live. But on the other side of that is that bread is very symbolic in God's word of, uh, of just a life-giving kind of presence. Uh, for example, uh, Jesus was born in a place called Bethlehem. What Bethlehem means is house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means. And not only that, but Jesus was born in a feeding trough where animals would eat their bread, right? Where they would feed. And then later on in John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And so when we say, give us this day our daily bread, we're not just talking about food and the way that God provides for us. We're asking him for more of him, like more of his life-giving spirit. When we say, give us our daily bread, it's, it's asking for Jesus of more of him, more of you in my life, God. The fourth part of this prayer formula is prayer for our own struggles. That's what it says, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Which is a bit way, a funny way to kind of word this part. And it kind of breaks it up into two things. People and self. Like when we have problems in our life, it really boils down to other people or ourselves. Someone has sinned against us, they've offended us or hurt us, or we've done all those things to ourselves right, that we've done something to, to live in kind of a sinful kind of way. The struggles are people or self. And I love that Jesus is looking at us and saying, look, I've given you forgiveness, so I would expect the same thing from you, right? Forgive others like I have forgiven you. So he's like, I want you to be like me. Not only do I want you to ask for more of me in your life, but I want you to love people like I have loved people. Forgive those who trespassed against us. I've given you the same grace and forgiveness that I want you to be able to give others. And then comes this part about temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Let me say that Jesus doesn't lead us into temptation. He doesn't want us in the vicinity of sin. But sometimes, sometimes God, what he wants to do, sometimes there's testing. He wants to know that he's faithful. He wants us to know that he is someone who can be relied on and trusted. And so he doesn't test us or he doesn't tempt us, but sometimes maybe we find testing and he wants us to rely on his faithfulness. And then here's the fourth, the, sorry, the fifth part of this prayer, which is not actually, 
interesting because it's not in the original Matthew 6 or Luke text when we see the Lord's Prayer. It says this, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And this was actually an addition to uh, this prayer. This was actually um, an addition later on through the Byzantine text, which was these scrolls that helped translate the New Testament. And so um, this was added later on by uh, some of the Anglican and, and Catholic traditions, and we still say it today. But the great thing about it is it still derives from God's Word. This is 1 Chronicles 29, 11, where it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. So here's, those are the kind of the five parts of this very beautiful, poetic kind of prayer that Jesus wants to lead us through. These prayers of praise prayer for kingdom work in the world, prayer for our own needs, prayer for our struggles, and then this beautiful way to close up this prayer, this kind of doxology, these kind of final words of this prayer. And so this kind of concludes like the teaching part of this. But I thought, why bother teaching on something like this if we don't know what it looks like? if we don't know how to practice this. And so I thought it would be good for us as a church to kind of step out of ourselves for a moment and go through the formula of this prayer. And again, I don't like using the word formula. It seems like there's a, that makes it a right way to pray. But for those of us who maybe struggle in our personal prayer life, or we find sometimes it's getting stiff or stagnant, what I want to do is take us through the Lord's Prayer. So here's what we're going to do. For the next 10 minutes or so, I, I want to pray as a church. And I want to do it at the same time as a church, but this is a personal thing. This is a personal prayer that we're going to have for these next few minutes. And so I want to start by saying this. I want you to take a very comfortable posture of prayer for the next little bit. And maybe that means, um, you know, having a seat between you and the next person. Maybe it means moving around this room a little bit. Maybe it means kneeling on the ground and, and kind of leaning on the back of your chair. South Campus, I do not recommend that you kneel on the ground uh, at the theater, but you can if you want. Um, maybe it's laying down. Maybe that's comfortable. Maybe it's just kind of sprawling out on a row. Maybe it's standing up. Maybe it's walking around uh, the back, just kind of thinking and processing through this thing. Look, I, I don't know how this is going to go, but trust me when I say that when the church prays, things happen. If you are someone who prays small, small things are going to happen. If you are a person who prays big, I promise big things will happen. And I would love even just to kind of continue on throughout this vision series, this vision throughout our year. Like some big prayers like this could really help us. It can help with church health. It can help us with rest. It can teach us how to pray in such a way that is helpful. It helps us with community in the way that we can pray and support one another. It can help 
the lost. There's going to be a moment where we can pray for the work of the kingdom. There are lost people in each one of our lives, and we can pray for them as a church. And it helps us understand what it means to be led by the Spirit. So here's what I want to do. Is again, I want you to take whatever posture of prayer is comfortable for you. Maybe it's even just sitting there and closing your eyes and opening your hands and saying, God, I'm ready to receive something from you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray through each little part of this prayer. And then I'm just going to be quiet. We're just going to have like a pad or something play in the background as I do this. And it's just going to be kind of quiet. And there's people going to cough and sniff and shuffle. And that's all, that's all right. But when I say uh, I want us to give our prayers of, of thanksgiving and our prayers of praise, like you can either say words. Maybe it's saying a word out loud. Maybe it's just kind of thanking God for who he is in your head quietly. And so I want to lead us through this prayer. And let's just take the next little while to kind of, let's do some business, right? Let's do some work with God. Let's get into the practice of hearing what God has to say to us as a church. And so I kind of want you to kind of get in that posture of prayer that is comfortable for you right now, whatever that looks like. Don't be afraid of, of getting up and moving around, right? This is a, a time between you and God. And maybe you want to come to the altars, Maybe that is a way for you to be able to pray in silence and pray with the concentration and meditating on God's word. Martin Luther had this thing called Lectio Divina, where it basically just means like meditating on the word. So that's what I want us to do. And so maybe for you, prayer is looking up with your eyes open towards the heavens. Maybe it's closing your eyes. Maybe you're here and you're visiting and go, what did I just get myself into? Just trust me for a moment. Let's come to the Father in all that he's asking for us as a church and as us as people in this moment. So let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father, we give to you in the silence and in this moment give to you our prayers of thanksgiving, our prayers of adoration, our prayers of praise. Maybe as we meditate on God's word, maybe some of the words that come to your mind of giving him 
words of praise. Maybe you want to say them out loud. Just go ahead. Jesus, you are loving. kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we give you our prayers of your work in this world. Father, for our loved ones who don't know you, for our coworkers and our neighbors who are far from you. Father, may we be the people who speak love and life into them, God, as your kingdom workers. May we pray this for ourselves before others, God, that salvation and change and transformation would come in our own hearts first. So God, in these next few moments, we give you our our prayers of work in this world for our loved ones and for the people and for the greater work of your kingdom to happen. We pray for your work in our church, for our city, for kingdom work in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, God. I want to see the work and miracles of heaven here with us on earth. As we meditate on your kingdom come, maybe there's names that you just want to say out loud of people that you're praying for. Maybe there's situations that you just want to speak out loud. Just go ahead and do that now. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, we give you our prayers of our own needs, not of selfish want, God, but of more of you in our life. We thank you for being our provider. We thank you for giving us what we need for every day. 
But ultimately, God, we pray for more of you, the bread of life. Just give our prayers to you, God, for our own needs. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's for a relationship. Maybe it's for our finances. Maybe it's for our health. Father, we just give our needs to you in this moment. Lord, forgive us of our trespasses, of our debts. As we forgive those who are indebted to us and trespass against us. Father, never lead us into temptation. Keep us from it. Deliver us from all evil things. God, in this moment, we quietly just pray for strength. To do every day. To keep us from the things that keep us from you. Lord Jesus, we just ask you to come and dwell in us in this moment. We pray for our struggles. Forgive us of sin in our lives and our failures and our mistakes. Take away any shame in Jesus' name for those things, Father. God, if there are people that we need to forgive, give us courage to do that. At the same time, God, we thank you for your own forgiveness in our lives. God, though we experience testing and temptation all the time, help us make the best decisions, Father, to keep us from sin. thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.